judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. This is God's word. Sorry, brothers and sisters, that one's not for you. That letter of 2 Timothy is a pastor writing to a younger pastor, giving him all sorts of encouragement. And so maybe as you read that, that letter, that, that little snippet, you think to yourself, well, this is, this is nice. It's not really about me. This is about pastors and the things that pastors sometimes have to deal with. And, and the people that, that professionally preach the word of God, this is, well, this is their problem, not mine. You know that's not true. You know that as Paul, as Paul writes these words to Timothy, he is, he's writing them for, for you as well. As, as members of the kingdom of God, we all have that, that universal priesthood, that, that ability to take the word of God and bring it to the next generation, bring it to the people that are around us. And therefore, because of that, these words have a lot of meaning for you for the people of God who are called to serve. Not just in, in deeds of faith, but also in taking the faith that has been given to them and passing it on to those around us. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. The call of God here is very direct but it's not easy. He says, be ready to preach the word in season and out of season. I think that really is one of the, one of the cool parts of this text is exactly what that means. What does it mean to preach in season and out of season? To be ready in season when it's convenient, out of season when it's inconvenient. In the good times and the bad times, be ready to preach the word of God. Well, I suppose, I think, I think maybe the best picture of it is, is, is this. First, I remember back when I was a, a vicar and I, I went to my first funeral under my supervising pastor and I wasn't responsible for any part of the funeral and on the way I was there for I think about like four days before this funeral happened uh, and he explained to me the whole circumstance. The woman who passed away was I believe 99 years old. She had been dealing with health issues. Uh, she was sharp as a tack but her body had started to fail her. Her family lived quite far away and now she was at rest with her Savior. And so as I show up to this, this funeral, there is not one tear in the room. There are a lot of smiles, a lot of people saying, thank God that Jesus came and, and took her home. 
I was talking to her son, her grandson, her great-grandson, and I, I got the opportunity to shake their hand and say, don't worry, your mother is with her Savior now. Your grandmother, your great-grandmother is with her Savior now. And every single one of them smiled and shook my hand and said, yeah, we know that. That is just so cool, isn't it? That's in season. That's when it's convenient to take the word of God to somebody and, and they're going to nod along with you and go, oh, thank you so much for saying that, Pastor. That's a, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing to hear. Now let's move to out of season. When it's not easy. When it's inconvenient. There are these moments where I'll, I'll stand at the back of church and I will, I will shake people's hands on the way out and, and, and they'll, they'll come up to me and, and with a kind of a glum look on the, their face, they'll say, Pastor, we got to talk this week. And that, that quite literally might have an infinite number of meanings. <laughs> when people come and say that they, they want to talk about something, that could be very, very good and that also has the... the the potential to be very, very bad. And so we'll schedule a meeting and, and we'll sit down and they'll bring to me issues that they have in their, their relationships, substance abuses, damage that they've inflicted upon their family, upon their spouse, upon the, their loved ones. And then maybe they'll even spill out a few beliefs that they have about Scripture that are, are clearly against what Scripture says. And it's at those moments as I'm sitting across the table and, and they're kind of divulging all of this information and I go, I don't, even, I don't even know where to start. That sometimes it's just, it just feels like it's not the right time. You sort of want to crawl under the desk and hide and just say, you know what, you just keep doing your thing because there's a lot of things that if we, well, if we talked about them, you might get angry at me. If I, if I told you what Jesus has to say about the thing that you've done in your family, then you might get frustrated by me. You might say, how dare you? How could you judge me? How on earth, how on, on earth could you talk to me that way? And so maybe in those moments, it's just easier to say, you know what? I'm just going to take the word of God and stick it in my back pocket and just nod along and smile and hope this conversation ends quickly. Now as your pastor... I don't have the ability to do that. But it doesn't mean that feeling's not there, and I know, brothers and sisters, that that feeling exists inside of your heart, too, when you are dealing with somebody that clearly, clearly is struggling and, and doesn't know what their Lord Jesus has to say to them. You've got a, maybe a daughter that's, that's living with her boyfriend outside of marriage and is is misusing that incredible, ridiculous, amazing blessing of marriage that God has given to us. And they come home for a, for a holiday. And you go, you know what? It's too much. I'm not going to bring up the word of God today. That's just, that just doesn't have its place here. And we put it off. And we put it off. Or we're talking to maybe a brother that goes to a, a totally different denomination, church, and, and, and he is all excited about his new church where he hears about how good he is and about all the wonderful things that he does for God and how he is going to get to heaven because he is such a great, great person. And as he's talking to you, you go, that's not what God says, that's not what God says, that's not what God says, but I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to ruffle feathers. I would rather just step back and, and, and maybe we won't have to fight about this and, and you can believe what you want to believe and I'll believe what I want to believe 
And once again, instead of taking the word of God and, and, and grabbing them by the hand and saying, here, I, I know what the Lord Jesus says about you and it is, it is way better than anything else that you're saying about yourself. But instead of doing that, we, we kind of hide from it. And I think that's sometimes what causes verse 3 to happen. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. That is something that every single one of us struggles with. That, that itching ear syndrome. There are moments, I would guess, every single one of you have, have had, where maybe you've been, been sitting here listening to one of my sermons and you go, ooh, I do not like that. I am not a fan. That doesn't make me feel good. That makes me feel really kind of yucky. It's usually right around the time of the law part of the sermon. And you go, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to think about Jesus like that way. I don't want to think about my God like that. We all have a certain amount of struggle with that itching ear syndrome because our sinful nature lives within us. And it, and it says a lot of things about us, that, that we are generally good, that we are generally nice people, that, that there's not really much wrong with us. People just need to keep encouraging us and building us up. When in reality, Paul is saying, preach the word, be prepared in season, out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage. Maybe instead of saying those things that, that people don't want to hear, it's easier to just say the things people do want to hear. Instead, instead of wanting to hear what God has to say to me, sometimes I just want to hear what I want God to say to me. And I think that's, that's the feeling that is in us and it is in the, the unbelieving world that, that causes the persecution that we see. People saying the unpopular thing because sometimes God is the one that is saying the unpopular thing. Do you know, according to Open Doors, it was a study done in 2021, 13 Christians worldwide are killed every single day. 12 Christians are imprisoned worldwide every single day. And that type of persecution really should cause us to do two things. One, we should be astounded by the blessings that God has poured out for us in our little community, in our town, in our state, in our nation. That we are able to freely proclaim the word of God without threat of, of prison or death. But it should also make us consider something else. If God says to us that we are 100% going to face persecution... In Matthew, Jesus was very clear. Every single person that carries his word is going to face persecution. What does ours look like? What does our persecution in this world look like? It's not threat of life. It's fear of lost reputation. It's not, it's not threat of imprisonment. It's, it's that threat of being seen as an outcast. You believe God created the world in seven days? Kind of a weirdo. You, you, believe, that, you believe that God created man and, and woman 
And he said, I have made you beautifully with all sorts of gifts and talents and abilities that are outstanding. And I've given you different gifts, talents, and abilities that are also outstanding. If you believe there are differences between, between man and woman, are you, are you kind of considered fringe? If you believe that God has a will for us as to how to live and that we, we no matter how much it makes us feel bad and as much as, as, much as it might rein in our ability to enjoy all of the, the depraved blessings of, or the depraved things of this world, that God still has a will that we are called to, to get in line with. That's odd. That's strange. You watch the news, entertainment, maybe even in your social circles, you are considered fringe and outside of the realm of norm. And so maybe, just maybe, maybe we take our faith in that moment and we just, just put it in the back corner. Professionally, socially, maybe our faith can be that thing that we do on Sundays. But let's, let's, let's put it away when, when nobody really wants to see it. It's a temptation we all face. Every single one of us faces it. And yet God deals with us the exact same way that he calls us to deal with other people. With great patience and careful instruction. Even though I am often a coward when it comes to standing up for who my Savior is. God is patient with me. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. And he says, I died for people like you. I stood up for people who wouldn't stand up for me. I will be careful in my instruction of you and be loving and gentle and heartfelt in every way when I take your hand and draw you closer to me in my word. As I was writing this sermon, there was this, this picture that came into my head as, we were, as I was ta- thinking about all of those times that we are called to stand up for our, our faith in Jesus. And it almost kind of looks like a kid playing coach pitch baseball. I played coach pitch baseball. Very, very short stint in that league. And you see some of the kids get it really, really well right away. They'll stand in the box and they're really ready to take a cut and they might swing and they might miss, but, but they're, ready to, they're ready to play some baseball. But then there's always those few kids in coach pitch that they kind of stand towards the back of the box, really far back in the box. And as the ball comes in, the eyes go shut, the back turns, and they have no interest in taking a cut. That's sometimes the way that, that we act. God says, you get to stand up for me. And we go, oh, no, thank you. No, I, I don't want to do that. And yet the same way that little league coaches have seemingly endless patience with those, with those kids who really stink at it like, like myself, God has those same patience with you. Every time he says, don't worry, you'll have another opportunity. Don't worry, it's, it's going to be okay. Don't worry, I still love you. Don't worry, you are my redeemed child and, and no matter what, I'm not going to let you go. That is the blessing of, of serving a God who is patient, who is caring, who is loving, who redeems every single one of us to himself. But you, keep your head in all situations. 
endure hardship, do the work of evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. As Paul is telling Timothy, as God is telling Timothy to continue to work, he reminds Timothy who he is. Do the work of an evangelist. An evangelist is somebody that quite literally means a bringer of good news. Remember, brothers and sisters of peace, no matter what the world says about you, the news you bring is good news. The news that you have, the love of Christ, the deep abiding love that he has for sinners is good news. And if the world wants to call it delusional, if the world wants to call it bigoted, if the world wants to call it exclusionary, know that that's not at all who God is. That the good news he gives to us in Christ is for you and for your children and for all people who are far off. It is good news no matter what the world says about it. And when it's difficult, when it feels as if you are in kind of a cycle that doesn't seem like it's going to get broken, and it feels like you are going to be taking blow after blow after blow in your life, remember these final words that Paul speaks to Timothy. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing the word of God might, might irritate friends. It might, it might frustrate families. It might, it might divide people. But please know, brothers and sisters, the world, the world doesn't get to judge you. You have a judge that is a, of a higher caliber, of the highest authority, a judge who promises that when he comes back, he will find his faithful and he will say, here is the crown of righteousness, not the one that you have earned for yourself, but the one that I have promised to you from all eternity, the one that I am sharing with you by my grace. That's the persecution we face. Judgment. But our God stands above that. And you can get called whatever name. But the best name that you can be called is his. Property of the one who redeemed you from sin, death, and Satan. There's no motivational speaker. There's no TED talk that could give you better encouragement as far as living in this world. You have to listen to the word of God. The word that he has preached to you and the word that he has called to you to preach to others. And then, and only then, you'll find the peace that he intends for you. Amen.